if you want to be successful, you want to know the culture and the language. Welcome to the Global from Asia podcast, where the daunting process of running an international business is broken down into straight up actionable advice. And now your host, Michael Michelini. So my son, Miles, is still afraid of Santa Claus this weekend. We went to take family pictures with old St. Nick and Miles was really terrified. The picture was pretty hilarious. So I will share it on this week's notes at globalfromasia.com slash episode 153. Also, quick apologies for last week. We put the wrong MP3 file on for Joe's interview podcast for the first 24 hours. We canceled that post and reposted it. iTunes is a little bit difficult sometimes to change MP3 on the feed. So it might have been confusing for you. If you have auto-download, you might have to delete and re-download. Otherwise, you probably heard Edith from 500 Startups, which is a great interview, but it was way back in episode 131. So we think we fixed it all, and hopefully you got to hear his amazing interview. And Joe Fink, his, his, short is, his name is shortened to Fink, but actually it's Finkenbender. So he normally shortens it, but I wanted to give you his official last name. Also, for those of you using WeChat, my wife Wendy's been helping out a ton, put our podcasts, videos, and blogs there. So if you want to get our official account on WeChat, you can get that at searching global from Asia, all one word, and you can follow our account. I'm doing some experiments there too with voice messages and, and, uh, and other cool stuff as I learn WeChat more. So if you want to check that out, it's pretty cool. And now for this week's show, we have Davide Rossi. He is an Italian entrepreneur based in Japan, building up a unique study abroad program, which is growing like crazy. And he's opening offices and hiring and managing people. I met him as he spoke at the DCX Hong Kong event. So it was a really good presentation. And I invited him here on the podcast as he has a ton of great insights on hiring and managing and doing business abroad. And uh, we, you know, we're trying to do Asia business here. So spin it off to Japan a little bit. And next year, I know people have been asking me about Taiwan business and, and other countries in Asia. So this is just a little bit of a taste to get into some other Asian business countries. So let's listen in. All right. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to another Global from Asia podcast. We have a fun, fun guest for you today. We have Davide Rossi. Uh, how are you, David? Uh, I'm very good. Hello, everyone. Great. Yeah. So you're over in Japan. I'm here on the Shenzhen Hong Kong border as as usual and we we met in the, the DC DC BKK and also you came and shared at the DC X Hong Kong event in Hong Kong which was awesome and uh, inspired us to get this this show together so thanks for your time thank you thank you mike sure so uh, i mean there's so much to talk about you're so you're originally from italy and uh, actually, I'm a I, I'm part Italian, I'm American born, and uh, and now you're you're you have your business growing business in Japan for uh, Go Go World, and uh, mm-hmm. maybe just quickly give us a little bit of uh, introduction of your your background. Okay, so uh, my name is Davide, and I'm from Italy. Uh, I've been living in the past eight years in Japan, where I set up my business called Go Go World. And what we do is we help uh, people, and not just students in university, but people from every age to live and study abroad. Very, very cool. And I think it's probably a common question, but how did you get over to Japan from from Italy? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've been asked uh, it's kind many of the times, most like, why Japan? Uh, yeah, exactly, right? exactly. Uh, 
you know what what usually with people that are living here uh, expat people that are living here foreigners that are living here usually they do the mistake i mean of course it's not a mistake but they come and visit japan and that's what i did in 2006 so it was actually two years before i decided to move to japan and just traveling to japan i just love the the country and uh, being uh, an Italian person, I noticed so many differences with uh, with my country, with my city. Like, you know, um, one of the things, for example, that I noticed is that in Rome, we are trying to build a third underground. So it's only the third underground. And it's been taking like five, six years. And now the project was supposed to be 15 stations and it just became like seven, eight stations. And it's not completed yet com- uh, after... Uh, five, six years. While I arrive in a city like Tokyo, um, where there are basically like 30, 35 train lines, and there are 44 of the, I think, 44 of the 50 most uh, busy stations in the world, and everything works on the minute. Everything was so perfect. All the service was so great. So only these kind of things, uh, only if I spent only a few weeks, it was a, it was a great thing for me to notice. And I, and I kind of opened my mind and said, oh, uh, there are places in the world where things are really so different from uh, from Italy, but not just Italy. I would say Europe for uh, for many other things. So I was really curious about um, knowing more about Japan. And what I thought is to to move to Japan to study. Uh, I think in this interview we'll talk a little bit more about what does it mean to study in a foreign country. But I moved to Japan to study the language originally thinking only for six months just to know more about this country that was so different from mine and everything seemed to work so perfect, even though there were uh, three times more people than, than my city. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel similar as an American, uh, you know, even in New York city, uh, where I was, I wasn't born, but I spent most of my adult life in New York's metropolitan area. And yeah, it's still there. It's slow to develop, uh, like the East side, subway station there's always just disputes and i mean there is more development maybe maybe us is a little bit more mm-hmm. developing more maybe than than some parts of europe but yeah i mean just like in my city in shenzhen here uh in china there's 11 subway lines now and when i came here there was one uh eight mm-hmm. nine years ago so it's uh it's just it's just crazy the asia work you know the, the development so I think we're both both on a on the same page. You know, we we like the fast pace and the the the, the growth here. Yes, absolutely. Cool. And so now your story was you, you so you picked six months originally to kind of learn the language and the culture and the experience. That was for like education or. So um, I picked I picked to be a, a language student. So I came mainly to learn the language. And at that time, I didn't really know how important it would have been for me to start as a language student, a language student compared to maybe coming three months as a tourist, two months as a tourist, or trying just to look for a job from the beginning without any knowledge of the language. Uh, as I studied something completely different at university, I didn't study Asian uh, culture or Asian languages. I studied computer science. So I knew English, uh, I knew Italian, of course. I didn't know any Japanese. So what I thought is that I would like to learn one more language. And it was a, it was a really a lucky choice in the sense that, that learning the language, learning Japanese language is the thing that really changed my life. Amazing. That's very, very... I hear it's more complicated than Chinese, uh, but there are similarities. I'm not 
I'm not sure if you have you. I mean, I mean, from my point of view, as now I can speak Japanese, I would say that Chinese is definitely more difficult. But uh, um, also the the kanji system in Japan is is kind of simplified. Um, Pronunciation for an Italian is uh, very easy because it sounds the same as um, that you read as you would read Italian. So for me, it would be definitely easier to learn Japanese than Chinese. And I think in general, not not having the accents for everyone else also, Japanese is is easier than Chinese. Okay. And was this so? So originally, it was just for for education, not for you didn't learn it to do business in Japan, or was that came later? Correct. So I came to Japan with the idea in mind of um, studying and living for six months, and then maybe coming back to Europe, going back to Europe to just explore new uh, work opportunities. Uh, however, I really loved uh, Japan. I really loved living there. So I decided to find a way to stay longer. But because I was 26 at that time, I didn't want to really study uh, language or anything else. Again, I was already graduated with a master degree. And I felt like for me, the time of uh, being a student, it was it was over. Like I was able to speak Japanese. Let me try to find a way to stay. However, um, normally uh, the job that people can find, uh, I wouldn't say easily, but um, it's easier to find are in, for example, in restaurants or um, language teaching. I could be an Italian teacher or I could work in an Italian restaurant and uh, things like that, which I didn't really want to do. So I was in a position where I didn't want to work in the kind of job that were open for me as a, uh, I had a degree in computer science. I could have been a programmer, but the programmer uh, way, it was not something I wanted to do as well, because that was the reason why I left uh, Europe is because I wanted to change my career. Basically, I didn't want to be a programmer again. So not even what I studied for a university was a good choice for me. So it was when I had to be very creative and I decided to to start my business, which is basically helping more people to do the same I did, which was live and study in Japan. Got it. Very cool. So I remember in your presentation, you were talking about finding your business partner during your studies. Mm-hmm. Yes, he was my classmate, uh, John uh, from Sweden. And, you know, we were just, of course, during school. I never thought about making any business, actually, uh, before arriving in Japan. I was not that kind of, uh, which I really, you know, I really appreciate when people are young and have so much drive to to start the business. I was, you know, just thinking about studying and looking for a company to hire me at that time. But then uh, when I start thinking about having this business, I try to think about who could I contact to uh, kind of start the company together. And he was, uh, he was the person I asked for, you know, a lunch to explain my idea because he was also an IT person. He's a designer. I was a programmer and uh, we could work out a way to, to put up a site online together. And also we both study at the same school. So we both had experience of being a language student in Japan. So we could use our experience just to reach at least all Europe is from North Europe. I'm from South Europe. And that was, was, was a great choice because we really work out something uh, incredible together. Very great. And yeah, I mean, it's hard to cover all this in, in a, in our, in one show here, but I, I know you, you know, it's, it, let's not make it sound like an overnight success. I know you worked really hard and he, he went back to Sweden, right? For a little while like a year mm-hmm. and you were working remotely maybe tell us about kind of that experience between 
maybe your school doing this, doing your startup business, and uh, yes. how things worked like that. So in Japan, in order to stay in Japan as a, a European or American, uh, like a not Japanese, actually, you need a visa. And uh, like in many other countries in the world. And uh, the problem is that um, in his case, the company was still very, very small. And in, in his case, he had to leave uh, Japan. So he had to work for Sweden for a while. And But, you know, you always can find something uh, positive from a difficult situation in the sense that what we really leverage at that time is that because he was able to, to move a lot in Sweden, we could really... Uh, contact and reach so many schools, so many uh, universities, so many organizations related to Asia, related to Japan uh, during that time. And, uh, and our work also, the communication was, uh, was of course, was difficult as uh, we have different personalities and we were uh, separated by eight hours of uh, time difference. And, you know, you had to work on the design of the site. I had to work on the coding of the site. However, when you have a common goal and, and, you know, the common goal is it was something we both really believed in. We find our way to uh, to work together remotely. And after two years, I think he finally the company got a little bit bigger. We could also sponsor his visa and he finally was able to come back to Japan. OK, very, very cool. And this is this is the exciting time, right? So then at that point you were already hiring i know you have quite a bit of staff now so mm -hmm. maybe give us i think this is a really exciting part of at least your presentation you talked about at the event in hong kong was uh hiring and managing in in japan which is kind of like my my focus so you had already been you already had the office and staff before he moved back i mean how how maybe give us an idea of your growth mm -hmm. your growth i mean how many staff are you at now here end of 2016 and and I know you have a okay. few different places now, so maybe kind of like, let's maybe, of course, not one, one big chunk, but maybe we can kind of go through this, uh, this staff growth uh, and business growth over the rest of yeah. our talk. So, it is, of course, it's, been, uh, it, it's always hard to summarize in, uh, in uh, like five minutes, five years of uh, <laughs> yeah, business I know, life, I know. clearly. Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, there are some focal points that is, um, I'm trying just, you know, to to say what could be most interesting for people hearing, right? To, to hear from us right now. What what could be also some uh, um, some piece of knowledge or, or information that uh, the people could use on, on, on their business or, or if anyone is interested in, uh, in expanding in Japan could, uh, could remember at that time. So uh, the first challenge we had is was to hiring people when we were very small. I mean, we are still small. We have uh, 35 people in Japan now six in, in Korea and, and one in Spain, as we open also uh, other markets and, and other office. Uh, but so we are, we are close to be 50 people in total now. But when we had to hire the first, <laughs> the first staff, which was a, was a Japanese person, uh, that was the, the, the hardest part because the company was completely unknown. The office was a 25 square meters room, uh, which we decided to paint completely in red because our company logo, company color is red. Uh, so you have all these these things that definitely don't don't excite a new employee when they come for an interview, uh, thinking that he has to work only with another person. And uh, moreover, in Japan, especially in Japan, the stability, the safety of the job is what counts even more than uh, the challenge or the salary and things like that. Like we live in a world like the Western world is all about startups, being part of a new project, getting 
stakes in the company from the beginning. That's the coolest thing to do. Even Uber and and uh, Facebook, uh, they're all old companies. People want to work for the new startups so they can get stakes <laughs> and they can uh, they can be part of the of a company like this, burning and and starting. Uh, Japan is, is still still like the startup world is not there, uh, not anything anywhere close to to the Western world. And actually, when people are asked, there are always this survey that come out every year. Uh, what's your ideal job? Is uh, public officer, like uh, in a ward office, like this kind of job, because they're super stable. And and I think the number thir- three or four is also uh, working in a bank. Um, all these jobs that have a stability, they have a big corporation or big company behind, have a higher priority order than than any other type of job. And especially if the company is very small. So we, uh, we were a Japanese company, but run by a foreigner, Pretty much no staff, no history, and small office, and so on. However, there are uh, there are ways where you wanna you you can still uh, uh, look for um, staff in Japan, and uh, even a very small company can still be very successful. What you wanna look for, for example, is LinkedIn, uh, because LinkedIn, uh, not many Japanese people use LinkedIn, but the people they use would be interested in a company like. We were like a small foreign company, more flexible, more dynamic kind of startup uh, that definitely uh, people, Japanese people in LinkedIn, they like to work for this type of company. So that's already one place you can use for for looking for stuff. Uh, there are Hello Work offices. Hello Work is just a, a name of a um, government office that you can go and you find many, many stuff available because the purpose of those offices in Japan are basically to our government office. So the people working there are paid by government to match companies with uh, people looking for a job. Of course, there is a lot of people that are really not qualified. So you receive a lot of resumes, like even 100 resumes, even if you're a new company, receive hundreds of resumes and maybe only two or three are good, but you can still find the true two, three good people uh, from there and it doesn't cost anything. So I would definitely uh, try those two ways before you even try a recruiter or a or a job searching site because they cost money and maybe your company is still small and you don't have all these uh, all these funds for you know for a proper recruiter or a proper uh, job searching site. Uh, so that's what, what concerns Jap- Japanese people. From the other side, for hiring foreigners, it gets kind of easier for us for a foreigner uh, business owner in Japan because there are so many. Uh, foreigners that have a regular visa, they are great people, great skill, but they are unhappy on their employment in Japan. And most of them can be found in English teaching jobs. So many people come to Japan first to work as teachers because it's, the, it's a very easy way. The pay is okay, but they find out that there is no growth, no future, no career. So those people have a lot of skills. Maybe in the past, they even work as a sale rep or HR. You can find really any type of person, but uh, at the moment are employed for an English school and they just want to change job and, and you can reach them very easily. Uh, and also restaurant, again, like people working in restaurant usually are very, um, not everyone, of course, but uh, are thinking to to move on. And if you offer a, a good office job or a good or a challenging position in a, in a growing company, they will definitely like to, to take the challenge. Okay. Yeah, very great information. So you kind of went to my next question. So yeah, you also have foreigners or non-local Japanese mm-hmm. working. So I, I love that when you're yeah in your in your talk um, how you say I, I think it's similar to lots of parts of Asia because there's a lot of English jobs and people uh, people are doing that to 
to kind of get get over to you know China or Japan or Southeast Asia, but then then they're trying to find a startup or a more exciting opportunity. So that's definitely definitely great great for you and for us and other business owners here in in Asia. So so you've been growing pretty fast, I would say, and we've been talking we've been talking since we met, and it's it's just exciting. Um, how how has management management and scaling go and you've chosen a few new countries to grow to um i know it's it's a pretty deep question but uh how how have you chosen your growth strategy um yeah that's that's a a very good question and uh, you never have the the counterproof you know you you don't know uh, what if we had chosen another country before the one we chose but we chose korea because it's very close geographically and uh, also culturally to Japan. Uh, I mean, people from Japan and Korea, if they hear this, they're probably going to hate me because they uh, think they're extremely different, which is true at the same time. However, for a mere business point of view, thinking about attracting Western people and, and helping Western people to, to go to study in Japan, there is not much difference when you uh, want to try to help uh, Western people to study in Korea, the product, the service, the information you give are really, really similar. So that was a very natural for us to to pick Korea to experience uh, a new market, a new country. So uh, I cannot be, of course, in two places. So I decided to stay in Japan because it's, it's a country where I, where I really like and love to live. At the same time, uh, having a country manager, a person we hired through a, a very strict process and we are very happy with but having a country manager that runs um, an office, having me uh, and all our team still in Japan. So that that's, that's, uh, is a really a big challenge itself. So we wanted to be very conservative in choosing uh, an environment, a business environment, which was as similar as possible to, to Japan. That's why we chose Korea. And then Spain. So we also do live and study in Spain right now, which is very new. It's like we started in September. Now it's uh, November. So it's two months ago. And um, the reason why we started Spain is completely different from what the reason we chose Korea uh, is because uh, one of our, our very good staff uh, from Spain that uh, worked for uh, in our Japanese office for the business to bringing uh, people to Japan um, had to leave, uh, had to go back to Spain for personal reasons. So we just sit down, talk, and, and we decided to try to make um a service for helping people to study in Spain together because, you know, I knew he was a great person and he could be the right person to do it. So it was really a, a circumstance like that timing of him going back to Spain. It was a good timing for us to do one more market. And then we chose Spain because he was Spanish. Okay, cool. I mean, yeah, well, it's, it's, it's good. I mean, you have good people and, and, uh, you have, you know, them and trust them and, and, uh, that's great. So I I hope it goes well in Spain too, and and Korea. It's, it's interesting. Two different kind of reasons and and models. So it's it's interesting, and uh, we'll have to get you back on in the future and see how things have grown more. Exactly. Which one? Which one grow, goes uh, better? And yeah. Grows more. It's uh, it's uh, it's my um, you know it's what I want to see also in one year. You know because there are completely different reasons, completely different setups, and. Uh, it's really interesting to see which one will be, you know, growing faster. Yeah, exactly. So I've enjoyed our, our talk so far and 
And sometimes people learn a lot from maybe mistakes or or lessons that you might have gone through. Is there anything maybe that you'd want to share for somebody that they could learn from? Well, uh, I did, you know, so many mistakes. I started this without any business experience. I haven't studied management or business school and I haven't tried any business before. So you can imagine I pretty much did everything wrong, uh, every time. And, uh, and being able to, um, understand that, you know, uh, I'm very, like, I need to learn a lot, always being ready to, you know, uh, buy a new book and, and, and read a new book about the thing you, you know, you, you know, you're not doing well or having the, uh, the attitude of always, uh, asking other people or looking for mentoring. That's, I think it's a advice, which sounds obvious, but at the same time, it was the key of getting to this point. Uh, because again, I didn't know anything, not a single thing. I didn't even know how to manage one person because I never done it before. Uh, saying that I want to also, of course, I want to bring one specific case, but I can only think about something, uh, that happened recently. Uh, as again, there are so many that, you know, it's just, it's just, they're just confusing my mind. And, and I, you know, I try to forget all the mistakes because I feel better, uh, with, without remembering <laughs> yeah, that. Right? Only right? remember the good things and the success. Yeah. Be always positive and, and focus on the good things. But, um, one pretty big one, actually, that I, I realized recently we, I, I, I did and, um, and it was pretty natural for, for me to do. So I think other people, it's, it's good for other people to, uh, to know this in case they are in the same situation I am is, so I started Korea and Spain. Um, so I opened new markets. I, I, I brought, um, so we, we grew up the Japanese business from, you know, one or two people business to a 35 people, 30, 35 people business. And, and everything is going really well. Our students are super happy. It's a free service for students. So it's really like uh, as good as it sounds. So very happy, very good. And then we decide to replicate the success for Korea and for Spain. At that time, uh, I think we lost few months and of course, uh, cash as well, uh, months in time and also kind of stressing a little bit people because of um, my mistake that was thinking that those business should have had the same speed of what was our Japanese business right now. So I kind of forgot what meant to be starting a business from zero. Like having having all this, um, like now we have a marketing manager, we have uh, uh, people dedicated to, of course, our students, we have people dedicated to SEO, we have people dedicated to, to make calls and things like that. And then you have to open a new market and, and then you kind of expect people maybe not to go at the same speed of you, but half, but that's impossible because they're really learning everything from zero. Um, so I kind of forgot really what meant to be uh, one person business or two people business. And, I, and I, I think I put too much pressure on the new offices at the very beginning to catch what was what we were doing in Japan. So whenever you want to uh, open a new market, even if your market in, uh, in your country, uh, your first market is very successful and you grew up uh, successfully, try to put yourself back again in the, in the situation where you were by yourself without no much knowledge. And then you really had to go step by step without having 
ready because the, the, the people working in the new market would never be 100% ready like you are after five, six years into the business. I don't know if I, I think explain myself clearly. I think it makes sense. I mean, I could summarize. Basically, yeah, when you go to maybe a new market or have a new, you know, hires and a, you got to kind of maybe let them make mistakes on their own or, or understand mm-hmm. it's going to take time even if you've already done it successfully mm-hmm. in your home market. Maybe it, also because you had said earlier they're kind of like independently operating like there, mm-hmm. especially if you're not not there locally, it might be harder to for them. But uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, I think basically maybe the lesson is just to allow or ex- budget or expect it to be, you know, even though you know how it might be done. It's kind of like kids maybe or I'm a, I'm a new father. So, uh, you know, yeah. even though, you know, you tell them the right way or you, you know, you try to guide them, they're still going to probably make need to make some of those mistakes themselves maybe to learn exactly and when when you tell the right way don't tell the right way it is now just because uh it's what you're doing um in this moment in your company which is way much bigger but try to tell the right way or the way you think they should do as they're starting the business that was that was the the miscommunication i may have had or or the thing i I, I would have done differently if i do it again or when i do it again Okay, great, man. That's great. Thanks for sharing. I know it's. I know it's always. I think also the main point is like, yeah. I mean, like you and me, and I think most entrepreneurs, we have to. I don't want to say expect, but just know we're going to make mistakes and not being afraid to keep going and to, you know, I think get improving and learning. I think that's just the process of uh, of doing your own business or or maybe just growing as a as a person. You know, is. If you you know making mistakes and learning and keep on going forward, not getting discouraged or not discouraged Absolutely. too long, yeah, absolutely, very cool. So maybe a tip for entrepreneurs going global or internationally to a new market. I know there's probably a whole long list, but maybe one or two tips, maybe for some fellow Italian <laughs> people or you know foreigners going to maybe Japan or anywhere. You know, just just generally, what would you suggest for them? Yeah, especially an advice for uh, Western people uh, that want to go to Asia, which is what I did. So that's what I can advise. I don't want to be too generic, right? Yep, yep. Um, it's to uh, definitely, if you want to be successful, you want to know the culture and the language. Um, that's what I, I advise to everyone. It makes a huge difference. Even you say, oh, but I was successful only with my English or I was successful without knowing anything about the culture of Korea or the culture of Japan or the culture of China. I never study anything. You could have been like 10 times more successful if you spent like six months uh, learning the language or understanding a little bit more about their culture. If you really cannot, because you are based in America and there is no way you can spend six months in in Asia uh, for, for personal or business reasons, you need to find someone that knows the culture and the language and you trust uh, to you know communicate the vision and the mission to your uh, uh, company over there in Asia as, as yourself so as to be a very trustful person and uh, and as to, as to know the culture and the language that's the only way to be very very successful in my opinion yeah very cool I mean it took me a while to learn that lesson I kept uh, trying to think I had, I don't I never knew how long I would be um, in China and so a lot of times people always delay it or 
but yeah, I definitely agree with you. Um, to learn a language is critical, and to especially work with staff and and local people. So definitely, uh, definitely agree with you. So we're getting towards the end of the 2016. Um, maybe you can share some of your your goals or motivate all of us for 2017. What what's what's your plans? Yeah. So let's say in the next 12 months. We uh, definitely, in Japan, we want to um, open uh, more to the Japanese market in Japan and not only focus on the foreigners. So uh, in order also to help more the foreigners, uh, in, all, in order also to give a better product to our foreign students that come to study in Japan, uh, we want really like to connect more with, uh, for example, location in Japan that are extremely beautiful, it's a great place to visit, but they are not commonly visited by foreigners. So kind of disclosing this, uh, this, this secret information because there are so many uh, cities, prefectures, locations in Japan that are amazing, but just people usually go only Tokyo, Kyoto, uh, the main cities. And of course, for, uh, for the global business, I want to see, like you said, I want to see which one between Korea and Spain grows the most in, in one year. There are positive signs from both of them. Uh, again, it's a free service, so just people need to find out about us, and then they start contacting, and the word of mouth is always very good. And we will probably pre-plan, or we start planning about um, a fourth market. So what will be the next country we can offer our service? All right, very, very great. So how can people uh, find your business and reach out to you online? Um, so for our business, um, you, they can find, for example, our Japanese study in Japan site. We have several sites depending on, we're very specialized, very local. Uh, each, in fact, each office, as we said, work independently. So also the sites are um, different, but the, um, the most popular site right now is uh, gogonihon.com, uh, which is G-O-G-O-Nihon, which means Japan in Japanese.com. And uh, uh, for myself, I think the best way to connect with me is LinkedIn, and they can find me at Rossi Davide, so my surname and my name, one. Uh, so my profile URL in LinkedIn has uh, Rossi Davide one Got on it. it. Got it. We'll, we'll put that in the show notes too and all the links. Perfect. So thank you so much, and we wish you all the best with your business. Thank you very much, Mike. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much, Davide. I am working on my own Chinese language, and man, I I know I hear you. I should have taken that advice and gone to Chinese school right away when I came here. But you know, my my excuse is uh, I didn't think I would be operating the business here and, and living in China now, almost going to ten years. For me, my plan when I came was to find a partner or at least a local rock star manager that would be managing the China sourcing operations and I would travel the world. Well, actually, to be very honest, I don't think I've talked about this before, but I was thinking about India next. So I was going to kind of try to set up sourcing operations in different countries in Asia. I was actually buying from India a lot for my bar products business, which I did for eight years. So I was buying a lot of plastics from China. Actually, I was sourcing from India for years and uh, never actually been there. So I was thinking to do some sourcing from India. I also did some sourcing from Thailand. Actually, I know some listeners are asking about sourcing from other countries besides China. So we will get some of that actually in the future too for those that are buying from Southeast Asia or maybe India or other places. But uh, it's just amazing how different life has turned out for me as well as I know a lot of people. But, uh, you know, it's 
part of what makes life and business interesting is you just kind of feel out the environment and where you like to go. So back to where we're going, cross-border summit, I'm always pushing it. We're having a lot of amazing team organization meetings now, talking to different speakers on calls, preparing sponsors and attendees are already asking me about it. So it's crossbordersummit.com, April 14th and 15th of 2017. I know, right? 2016 is basically over a couple more weeks. Let's start switching gears to 2017 and kicking some butt. All right, everybody, keeping it short and sweet. See you next week. We got a good one lined up already. It's going to be a good one. I already recorded it. I'll let you wait until next week. All right, bye. To get more info about running an international business, please visit our website at www.globalfromasia.com. That's www.globalfromasia.com. Also, be sure to subscribe to our iTunes feed. Thanks for tuning in.